NWP Radio. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. So, hello viewers, this is Elise Ivan Adol, and this is another episode of NWP Radio, where we are following our 2020 back-to-school pandemic edition thread. Now, I know that all summer, as more and more of us were starting to see that it was quite likely that we were going to be doing emergency remote teaching, and that was going to happen in the fall, there were a lot of folks across all educators, but especially I know at writing projects, really gathering to plan and think about what that would be like. And in those conversations, I started to see bubbling up more and more people talking about this thing called hyperdocs. So that seemed like something that we really should hear a little bit more about because so many people were so enthusiastic about it. I don't know if this happens to you, but it certainly happens to me all the time that just like when you're thinking about something, you open up Twitter and before you know it, it's there on Twitter. (laughs) So I was looking at Twitter around HyperDocs and right at that moment, I saw a tweet from Jeremy Heiler, who is a teacher consultant with the Chippewa River Writing Project. And he had just published a blog at MiddleWeb about HyperDocs. Probably some of you who are watching this know Jeremy or maybe know the name Jeremy Heiler. He's also a community ambassador for NCTE. He also is a media innovator with KQED. And you may have seen some of his books at Eye on Education. And we'll give you links to all of those things along with this episode. But really, it's this blog at Middleweb where he blogs regularly that made me say, Jeremy... Could you get on the Zoom and could you give your colleagues an orientation to HyperDocs? So welcome, Jeremy. Dive in with us. Tell us what, For first off, for everybody who's saying, what even is this HyperDoc thing I'm hearing about? Yeah, well, thank you very much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And hopefully with uh, us talking today that I can give a better sense to teachers on what HyperDocs are. There are really great resources that are out there uh, between the HyperDocs docs website and there's also um, a podcast everybody knows cult of pedagogy by jennifer gonzalez if you haven't listened to any of her podcasts i highly recommend it Um, she actually interviews the authors uh, of the hyperdoc handbook lisa highfield kelly hilton and sarah landis who were the original people who created this and they're wonderful and so i would highly recommend going and looking at some of those uh, resources as elise said they will be available to you Uh, A hyperdoc really is exactly what the two words combined together say. It is a Google document, or in some cases, it can be a Google slide. I have seen some Google slides that have been created, but they are filled with instruction, and they are filled not only with instruction, but they're filled with links uh, for students to be able to go and be able to kind of learn on their own based on whatever the lesson is. And that's one of the great things about HyperDocs is that a teacher can take this and really uh, adapt it to their students and also adapt it for their own teaching style as well. Oftentimes, a lot of the questions comes about like, well, can I do this in Microsoft Word? Well, if you are online and you have that that capability to be able to share a Microsoft Word online, then yes, you could. But really a HyperDoc is a document filled with hyperlinks, and it's filled with instructions for students to kind of self-pace them, uh, to self-pace 
for themselves when they are doing their learning. Okay, so so Jeremy, so so one is I'm just thinking of questions that I've seen come up. It's it might often be a Google Doc or other Google product, and if we're all in the G Suite, that makes sense. If we were all in Microsoft 365, we could do it in one of those documents too. Probably we could set up a, a, a quick little website or something like that, but it's a something and it's filled with the hyper, hyperlinks and instructions and it's student facing. So it's meant to be read by the student. It's not the teachers writing something out for him or herself, it's facing students. Right, right. right. And and what's really awesome about Google, using a Google Doc and using things like links in a Google Doc is that, you know, with, the, with all this remote teaching and our pandemic, there's been this onslaught of tools that have just been thrown out and resources that have been thrown yeah. out to teachers yeah. and can be very overwhelming. Well, if you have this base of, you know, Google Documents, that's what's really nice is that you don't have to try to learn some new tool to try to implement into your teaching. You already have this at your hands to use very easily. And so it doesn't take much to be able to create them at all. And that's the other really nice thing about Google Docs too is, like I said earlier, is that you have this at your disposal, but also it's something that you can adapt to your classes. And then also I'm guessing you understand it. You can use it pretty easily without going into a whole new set of tools but your students would as well. So they're used to working in the G Suite in many cases or whatever you use. So people don't have to get over a big technology hurdle to start using them. Yes, absolutely. I know one of the things that I did with my students this spring is I shared out with them a HyperDoc and they were able to quickly move through that HyperDoc. Mm -hmm. And that was really, for me, that was one of the very first times that I was using it consciously. Now, subconsciously that I was probably creating HyperDocs already, but I just didn't call it that because I didn't know at the time that's what they were called, but they were already using HyperDocs and it was very easy for my students to be able to click on links and be able to go to different places. And really they were doing the learning. It was self-paced for them. And I think that's one of the great things that teachers really like about them is that they're self-paced for students. So let's, let's go. I'd love to come back also to that, you know, using them consciously and intentionally piece. I want to come back to that in a second. That was really interesting, but this Mm self-paced element, I hear that come up a lot when people are saying, well, now that I'm remote teaching, I'm really discovering a new power to these things. Could you talk a little bit about that? Because I'm hearing people talk about it in relationship to things like asynchronous time with students. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, one of the things that, you know, based on what your district wants is that we have to have so much contact with our students or students have to have so much contact with curriculum during the time that Mm -hmm. you're teaching remotely. And this is a really great way for students to have that contact with curriculum And you can see and you can view what they are actually doing because if you create a hyperdoc for your students to make a copy of, for them to explore and for them to go into and to use, then you can view that in terms of what they're doing. And it's one of those things where you are not sitting in front of the camera for a half hour lecturing them. It can be a very simple 10 minute synchronous lecture that you're giving. And then you uh, introduce the hyperdoc to them and and walk them through it and say, here's what you need to have completed by this date. And you would leave, I would leave that up to you, or that would be up to you as an individual teacher. And then the students can work through that. And then as they're working through that hyperdoc, they can then contact you 
if there are any issues, if you have something mm -hmm. like office hours, or maybe it's the next time you meet as a class uh, synchronously, then you can address any of those concerns that students might have. I'm hearing echoes of what people used to do in terms of the web quest. Mm -hmm. If you've seen web quests. That a little bit. It, it, it kind of a, a, an adaptation and moving forward of a little bit of that idea, which is by now, you know, from many years ago, but I can see this might be an updated uh, um, version of a similar kind of theory to guide young people through something in, on their own and let them self-pace and let them make decisions and move through the document. Yeah, there are no there are no lock steps in terms of like students have to complete this before they move on to this. It is completely one of those things where when a student completes a certain section of the hyperdoc or however you have that hyperdoc laid out, then they can go and explore the other parts themselves and it's not going to disrupt anything else that you're doing with with whatever lesson that you're you have with your students. So by now, there's probably some viewers that are like, okay, that all sounds great. And I still can't see it in my head. You've been using them now and thinking about them intentionally. Do you have a few examples you could share? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go ahead and share one of the hyperdocs that I created for my students with combining sentences with the most dangerous game. Now, the other part of this that I would like to share with you is this came from a template off from the hyperdoc website and it's hyperdoc.co. It is free to sign up at that website and there are so many templates and so many examples that are there. And all that the authors ask you to do is if you steal something from their website is that you give something back. Uh, that's all they really ask you to do. But this is one possible template and you can add whatever you want to it. There is a section here, as you can see, that where you can get started with your students. It's, it's a way to get them engaged. It's engagement for them at the beginning of a lesson. We all know that at the beginning of any lesson that we do, we try to pull them in. We try to pull our students in. And in this case, what I had them do is watch a trailer uh, of the Quibi for The Most Dangerous Game, which is a very updated version and very modern version of The Most Dangerous Game. And then they had a link that went to a Google document for them to write a journal reflection on what did they think. And I gave them some prompts to be able to answer that. And then this is what's great about it. Then there's time for them to explore. And so I asked them to think about as they're doing some exploring uh, with reading uh, The Most Dangerous Game is that they also think about the types of sentences that uh, make up our writing. Because that's one of the great things about writing is that there are all sorts of sentences that authors use. And so they had to uh, look at some questions. They had to answer them in their online interactive notebook. And then there's a, a tool that I use called Grammar Flip that they go and do a Grammar Flip lesson. And then they can check out some additional resources like Grammar Girl and then there's Grammar Monster. So there's lots of different things that I can have my students ex uh, go and explore. And then they had to do some explaining by reading The Most Dangerous Game. And I told them how long it would take them. And as they're going through that, then they're looking at the different types of sentences that they found in there that the author is using. And so we're looking for mentor sentences in this case, and then they have to apply it. And so this is where the application process comes into play. I actually have them go to Flipgrid and on their Flipgrid, they actually have to, in their Flipgrid, they have to write a reflection about what it is that they see. So you can see here that this is the most dangerous game. And there are some story reflections here that they would have to fill in. And I've erased all the ones from the past. So there's, there's nothing there for us to see now. Then there's an opportunity for them to share with students. And so they get to go in not only with their fellow classmates, but share with me. So they have to write a one-page story. 
where they're including some of these types of sentences that they're using and they have to hand it into a Google folder that I created. Then there's this awesome piece that I always love to have my writers do and that's reflection. We always want our students to be able to do some reflection on their learning. And again, going back to Flipgrid and having them do that audio reflection instead of them having uh, more writing. Not that it's a bad thing, but I wanna be able to have them practice their listening and speaking skills too. And then the last, which I think is one of the most important parts of HyperDoc is extending their learning. So not just stopping here once we're done. And oftentimes with lessons, you know that a lesson stops and we sometimes don't ever come back to it. Well, this HyperDocs allows the students to go out and explore some more. So I gave them a link to look at the 1932 movie of the most dangerous game. There's some summary and themes of the most dangerous game that they can go in that were made by some students. And then there's a stop motion Lego movie that they can go and take a look at. And then I actually give them opportunity. Is there something else that they can go find and they can place into that extend box? And so this is what a typical HyperDoc could look like. Now, again, I adapted it to my students. So this works well for my students. And here's the other awesome thing about HyperDocs too. Let's say this link didn't, wasn't the greatest link in the world in terms of my students just didn't like that really quick video that I showed them. And they say, Mr. Hyler, that was really boring. I really didn't like that. I can quickly change that link out and I can put something else in there. Or maybe it doesn't work for one hour, but can work for another hour. I can quickly interchange that link. That's one of the awesome things about HyperDocs is I can quickly adapt it to how uh, my students learn and um, maybe the learning styles of all of my students based on classes or just based on grade level as well. Yeah, so all the, all the things that we love about Google Docs, the ability to work that way and constantly adapt them or to make a copy for two different sections that need two different things put in additional options for differentiation, kind of give you a way on the fly to keep adapting them, which is different than if we had a printed or other kind of more formalized curriculum product. Can completely right. see that. So one of the things that you talked about, you talked about starting with a template mm -hmm. and that there are many different types of templates. So it's yeah. not like every HyperDoc is gonna have that exact sequence of things that works for you you've thought that through intentionally but there are lots of other patterns is that right yes and i will i would love to share my screen again and just show you a couple other examples uh, that are on the website the hyperdocs.co website just the the beginning part of it so this would be the landing page this is really great too so if you really like you're like yes hyperdocs is my thing this is what i really want to go through they do have some training classes that you can take, and there's some small costs to that, but really it's, it's pretty reasonable for what they offer you, and they have some boot camps and some different things. If you go down to the fine part of this, you'll see templates and samples and hyperdocs, and I'm not going to click on either one of those because, again, we could go down that rabbit hole and be lost. All that, that would be a rabbit hole, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so one of the other ways, one of the other templates that is possible is this one right here where it's a little different from mine, but it's, it has the same concept in terms of the engage, explore, explain, elaborate, and evaluate. So there's a little bit difference to it in terms of how it's set up, but really it, it's what works for you. So if this is something that could work for you in your class, and it can happen with any, any class. It doesn't have to be English. It could be science, social studies. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's very possible to go across the curriculum, but this is one possibility that you could use. I mean, they do give you some examples in terms of what it is. What does that mean to explain? Uh, for example, it says independently with parents or partners or in small groups, students verbalize their understanding of the content. So you could break them down into smaller groups while they have their 
Piper doc pulled up. So this is one possibility. One of the other ones that you could possibly do, this is a um, another one, this is a back to school hyperdoc, just showing you real quick. So again, you can see the differences between how it's kind of laid out real well in the other examples between mine and the template. But then this one, it's still laid out well, but it's just, it's different. It's a lot different. So there's a lot more visuals for them to look at. Uh, and again, this is just a template and this is a very simple back to school one. So there's probably not much in terms of what the students are doing, but there's still some things that they need to take care of in terms of going back to school. And then again, Google Slides could be used. I've seen lots of teachers use Google Slides. There's lots of examples that are on the website as well. One last example that I'll show you is this is one that uh, I used with a colleague from Central Michigan University last week uh, when we were doing, we actually used a HyperDoc with teachers when we were doing some science literacy professional development. And so you can see that this is a little bit different. We had a lot more visuals. They were going and exploring some government websites for invasive species. So again, a little bit more visual than the last ones that we've seen, but still very much, you can see that the links are there. They're going and they're exploring and they have some assignments that they had to do through this. They had some, this is one of the things that I really enjoyed that my colleague did, and that was the learning objectives for the students. So the students knew exactly what they were going to be learning and what they had to do throughout this time. And then she wrote that this is, this is the afternoon that you have a task to complete. And so she actually put some app links in there for them to be able to follow. So you could set these up really any way that you wanted to. But you can see the variety and just in the different templates and different examples I showed you that there are lots of different things for you to, to explore. And again, it's a rabbit hole. I guarantee you'll get lost for hours exploring all the stuff on the website. <laughs> and so that's a really good warning because it may be a time right now, Jeremy, where people don't have hours. And so they should be cautious about that. But I just want to say some things that, that I'm hearing. One is that the use of things like things in your G Suite, Google Docs, Google Slides, et cetera, or whatever the companion would be for what you're using with your young people in your district, that there's no reason not to just use the simple tools that you know, because the real idea is planning the sequence of activities and tasks for the learning objectives. That's where the thinking should be. That's what I took from your, I'm thinking about them kind of really intentionally uh, comment. Yes, and it really is a, it's a way to share and build on the curriculum that you're doing now. And the other warning that I would definitely give is that there's a lot of front loading with a HyperDocs, but it's worth it in the end because of the fact that it's, it frees you up as the teachers to be able to help the students more and to guide them in the right direction. It doesn't mean that you're doing the work for them, but it can help you in terms of those deeper questions that you're asking and they might be inquiring more about a specific topic that you're having them explore, which is awesome because you can keep pushing them as they're inquiring more and more about whatever it is that you're doing. And the other thing that I would definitely recommend too is, like I said, you're obviously building on curriculum that you already have. I would not recommend trying to do a hyper doc for every single lesson that you're mm -hmm. doing. Mm -hmm. I would try it out with a lesson that you really enjoy and see if it transform it. Or maybe take a lesson that really has kind of fallen flat for you in the past years, but you know you have to teach it and try to turn that into a hyperdoc and see if that can help as well uh, to make that more engaging for your students. So that, those are great tips. Thank you for that because yeah. uh, uh, people don't have a lot of time and they can sometimes run into walls when they think something is going to be helpful. But 
we don't have the time to actually execute on it. So those tips are great, I think. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm curious, um, I, that sort of in that field of tips and pluses and minuses, I know uh, all of us sort of worry when all of a sudden something seems to get a lot of play that in education, we do sometimes have a way of turning things into, you know, the silver bullets or the one ring to rule them all or whatever metaphor you want to take in education. We do tend to do that, our, our folk. So would you talk a little bit about that? Because, you know, what your tips would be about saying, you know, I think you and I both agree that it, technology doesn't teach young people, teachers teach young people and they can use technology to do it. So do you have tips about making this really a stronger learning experience or cautions that you would give us about hyperdocs and when we're maybe sort of, sort of getting excited about what cautions should we have? Just talk about that. Yeah. I think it's really important. You know, I don't see a lot of negatives to hyperdocs. It's more of a caution in terms of, yes, it's going to be time consuming uh, in terms of the front loading and creating the hyperdoc. The, the specific example that I showed you with combining sentences, that probably took me about two to three hours to put together. Um, and it's constantly changing. Uh, that's the other kind of cautionary thing that I would say is that you want to be on your toes in terms of making sure that you change it and adapting it to your students and not just saying, well, it's done. It's a done product. I'm going to deliver it. I don't need to change it anymore because really it's not. You're really going to have to adapt it to how it works for your students. That's one of the positives is that it can be adapted and can be adapted very easily because as I was sharing with you, you can easily change out links or change out the, the engaging lessons that you're doing with your students. Whatever part of that hyperdoc isn't working, you can remove that and just add something different for your students to be able to do. Now, the positive also is that with adding those hyperlinks, you can also hyperlink it to a favorite tool, digital tool that you have. Now, as Elise said, it's not about the tool, it's about the learning that takes place. Mm -hmm. But if you have a tool that is working really well, try to combine it with hyperdocs and see if that works for you as well. Uh, so there's another positive about it. The other positive about it is that it's already something that most students can use because most students are used to Google Documents. Now, I say most because there are some schools that do right. um, the, the Microsoft suite, and so we have to be careful with that. But I know there are a lot of Google schools that are out there, and so this is something that students already know how to use, so it's very easy for them uh, to be able to adapt. Another downfall uh, that could potentially be is if you have a lack of technology in your school. Uh, so if you're only sharing one or two computer carts between, you know, six mm -hmm. or seven classrooms, that could be a challenge for you, your students to be able to uh, use a, a hyperdoc, which could also turn into a positive because there are some asynchronous things that students could be doing outside of school, too, if you are face-to-face -face this year. But uh, I know it does work really well if you are more of a one-to-one -one school and students have their own laptop because then they can access the stuff that you have for them. Um, or if they're home and we're confident that they have the internet bandwidth to do the yes. activities and they have a device at home. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's the other challenge too, in terms of, you know, making sure everyone has fair and equitable access to the internet. And I know for a fact that not everybody does. And so okay. that can pose a challenge as well. 
I could see that it would be possible to make a, a thing, which is a document and has hyperlinks that is really sort of a, just a glorified high tech worksheet, which um, I know that the folks who are much about hyperdocs are very strongly saying, let's avoid that. You know, that's, that's not the point just to give people busy work or tasks or things to fill in. It struck me in your examples that you have lots of places for young people to share, to contact each other, to create something and not just fill in blanks. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because it feels to me that's a really important point. Yeah, it really is. Because if we think about worksheets that we give to our students, or we think about an online worksheet that we give to our students, really the student fills in the worksheet and it's done. And they hand it in and they get a grade and might be a discussion. There might not be a discussion depending on time, depending on how the teacher interacts with their students with the worksheets that they're giving them. With a hyperdoc, it's not about that because a worksheet doesn't allow for the inquiry to happen like a hyperdoc does. So for example, with my combining sentences, mm -hmm. you know, I'm asking my students to go out and to look for different examples of mentor sentences in the most dangerous game. I'm not saying, hey, here it is, here it is. Here, give me an example or write out what a mentor sentence is. I'm asking them for examples. And then as I continue through that process with the hyperdoc, they are then applying that to their own writing. Okay, so here's a, here you have an example of a mentor sentence. Let's apply that to what you're doing and apply it to your writing. All right, so you've learned that now and you understand the power of the different types of sentences that can be brought. Now, let's think about how else that this particular you know, classic novel, The Most Dangerous Game, has been adapted to our own society. And going back to that example on Quibi, in terms of it turning into this modern story where there's more, you know, guns and car crashes and different things like that. And, you know, talking, then there's this, these conversations that can take place about the comparison that between what it looks like now, today, than what it looked like back when The Most Dangerous Game was written. And so, then there's also this other element that I really like about hyperdocs that a worksheet doesn't. It can be adaptable for someone that might have special learning needs because then you can start adding things like listening components into that hyperdoc where you can't with a worksheet. So now I can direct those students to like a YouTube video that might have struggles with reading. So now they can listen to it on, on a YouTube video or maybe it's not a YouTube video, but it's an audio where they can listen to it. So I can also meet those needs of those special education students, whereas a worksheet, maybe I eliminate a couple questions to be able to accommodate them, but it really doesn't put them into the learning. It really just kind of, they're doing everything else that some students are doing, but just less of it. And that's the other thing that I really like about a hyperdoc. So there really is a lot of huge differences between a classic worksheet and a hyperdoc. So if we see our, our hyperdocs turning into worksheets, we should say, wait a minute, let's back up because that's not what the idea is. This Correct. has been hugely helpful, Jeremy. And for any of you who are listening, we're going to have links to all of those things. The, the links that Jeremy mentioned, a link to his Middleweb blog, where he talked about his use. And also, I think I know that for those of you that are following along the sequence, you're going to see hyperdocs coming up. Uh, a few more times, maybe not the, the focus as we've been able to hear from you, Jeremy, with the focus on this, but you'll see they show up. And for anybody listening, it's you can absolutely see how they fit in 
to a kind of high flex environment where you are able to give young people some things to do asynchronously that maybe prepare them to come into a synchronous thing, not to hear us lecture, but to be able to really engage in the discussions that have been primed because of the journey you took them on. I think um, your description, Jeremy, of most dangerous game, I was just listening to it and thinking mm -hmm. those young people, if they were in a high flex situation, they would be showing up for their synchronous time with a lot to say in a discussion because of that journey. So I think that's a beautiful example. Any last thoughts for us? You know, again, as and I, I keep reiterating it, you know, make it your own and really adapt it to your students and what they, what they need from you and they will tell you and don't be afraid to ask them for that feedback. Say, Hey, this is something new that I'm trying with you. You know, here it is. What links worked, what didn't work for you. Talk to me, Mr. Heiler or whoever wants to make it better. So let's try to make this better together. And they will, you know, as well as I do that students will be honest and upfront with you and tell you what works and what doesn't. <laughs> I think that's a great place to end because actually, I think for everybody listening and all of us in education, let's work together to make this better. Let's engage our young people, in fact, as well to help us and to bring their ideas and voice to the table. So it's a great place to end. Viewers, thank you for following along with us. Hope that this was helpful. Be sure to look on the blog page for, for those other links. And the last thing, Jeremy, thank you so much. This is a great introduction to HyperDocs. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity and good luck, everybody, with the new school year. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. NWP Radio.